Kafalif Sivan, Tafshinayan Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yornar Kis and Omer Adam with Ma'pecha uh, Shel Simcha, big at weddings, big. And I was at one. I, I, was everybody at a wedding last night? I think so. If you weren't, then uh, you should have been. At, uh, at, so it just crashed a wedding. It seems to be have been the responsibility of every person to be at a wedding last night. Welcome in, one and all. Welcome to this week's edition of the Israel Show. We are live, coming to you from... The U.S. of A, we are here each and every Monday, immediately following J.M. in the A.M., that's 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time. We bring you news from Israel. We bring you, like I like to say, we bring you a little bit of a taste 
of Israel. What are people in Israel thinking about talking about? What are the issues? We don't get to do that much, but whatever we do is good. And a lot of great Israeli music, both nostalgic, classic, and brand new, like Goral Shadud of Danny Sanderson, Danny Sanderson of Pugi fame, one of the composers, main composers of Pugi, one of the main writers of the Pugi lyrics that are so clever. Danny Sanderson afterwards, Gazos, Doda, etc. Long, long, great career. Brand new song just came out. We'll share it with you here, and then we'll get to uh, some of the topics on our agenda. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Raiti Mishau Boheba Shamai Bekoshi Omeda Ragla Veayalo Mima Baba Enai Shekola Olama Pefa Ule Gaja Nimekima from Danny Sanderson, Goral Shadud. Goral Shadud. And we will post the link to the YouTube video that goes with that. We will post it on our Facebook page, as we do each and every week. We post all the links. If there exists a link, if there's a link to the songs video, and there almost always is, we will post it for you a little after the show in a list on our Facebook page and you can just enjoy the music whenever you want. You'll, oh wow, that was a great tune. I want to hear it again. What was that? Just go to the playlist and every one of those songs has a little link next to it and you can watch the video, listen to the music. And um, 
we thank all those who participate actively in our Facebook page. We have three new likers this week. Brings to a total of 383, and it is so gratifying and exciting, and it's, it's nice, and it's important for the show that we increase the number of people that are likers and the likes to the different posts because of the way Facebook works. It's a little crazy, but that's the way it is. So thank you, Kathy, Shirley, Michael, Stephanie, and all those who have hit like on our page. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Did I say that the Israel Show's Facebook page is facebook.com slash the Israel Show. One long word, the Israel Show. This week, we are, you talk about current events. We try to bring you current events. Well, this is very current events. Literally, within the last uh, two hours, the uh, deal, the agreement between Israel and Turkey was announced. Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, is in Rome for a visit. Nothing to do with the the Turkey stuff. I think he's meeting up with uh, Secretary of State John Kerry. For some reason, that's... (laughs) Never mind. Uh, But they announced it a few hours ago. And um, we're going to try and give you an idea what we're talking about. Well, you have to remember that years back, let's say 10 years ago, the relationship between the two countries, Turkey, which is a very, very important geopolitical country, ally, NATO member, ally of Israel, the relationship between Turkey and Israel were amazing. Amazing, great. Amazing, they did maneuvers together. They had economic, military cooperation like you can't imagine. It's sort of like thinking back to the days of Iran when the Shah was in control and Israel and the Iranians had an, a really great relationship where everybody, uh, everybody enjoyed and everybody won, so to speak. And then the Turks... And by the way, the reason for this mainly was that Turkey is one of the only secular Islamic countries in the area and is not, as such, is less affected by the Islamic radicalism that's taking over the Middle East. Uh, And then Erdogan gets elected to be the president of Turkey. Prime minister? Is the president prime minister? I don't know. It doesn't matter really. He's in charge. He's the guy in charge of Turkey. And um, he, turns out, was a closet Islamist, a radical Islamic who wanted to hurt the relationship between Israel and Turkey for obvious reasons. And he started creating... Um, little incidents to downgrade the relationship. And I I would believe that he was waiting for a big excuse to get at Israel and take Israel out of the alliance with Turkey. And that excuse came in 2010 on May the 31st just about six years ago, when a flotilla, a group of ships, announced that they're coming to Israel in order to bring humanitarian supplies to the people of Gaza. Clearly, what they really wanted to do, and they even said this, they wanted to break the, um, the naval maritime... Uh, hold that Israel had on Gaza. They, Israel was not allowing any ships into Gaza because they knew that these ships would carry weapons, they would carry cement to, to build the tunnels that we're all familiar with now. This goes back way before we knew the dangers of the tunnels. We knew, Israel knew, that having an open open um, 
ocean toward Gaza where any boat can come and bring in whatever they want, that, that could not work. And so Israel has this um, blockade. That's the word I was looking for. I'm sorry. The blockade where they don't allow ships to go through. It is perfectly legal, by the way, for a country to um, to create such a blockade. Now, of course, the enemies of Israel, in the guise of humanitarians, said, well, we're going to break the blockade because the people of Gaza are suffering. They have no food. They have no medicine. Never. Of course, that all was not true. Of course, Israel provided and continues to provide. And even during the wars that we had in Gaza, Oh, yeah. continue to provide food and medicine and the basic needs so that the people there shouldn't die. So this concept that they needed to bring in humanitarian aid to the people of Gaza was phony, it was bogus, but it was all part of the general international movements that want to um, show Israel in a bad light. And this was yet another one of those cases. What Israel didn't realize was that one of the boats, the Marvi Marmara was its name, actually was carrying terrorists. A group of about 40 terrorists were on board looking for a fight. They were armed with um, knives. They were armed with clubs. And Israel just wasn't fully informed. The intelligence dropped the ball at some place. So when the boats were in international waters, Israel sent several warnings to the boats to divert and head to Ashdod. Israel said, sure, you want to bring in humanitarian aid? Not a problem. Come to Ashdod, the port. We'll check through the items. We'll make sure there's nothing there that's contraband. And You'll come with us and deliver it to Aza. No, no, we are going to Aza. Besides the fact that Israel was providing supplies and they knew that this was not needed. No, they refused. No, when, when they were informed over and over again that they're hitting Israeli waters and were asked to move to, the, uh, to Ashdod, their replies were curses, cursing Israel, cursing Jews. So, Israel's plan was that helicopters would drop fighters of the Shayet Shalosh like the Navy SEALs, onto the boats from the helicopters. They would, they would slide down ropes, get onto the boats, take over the boats, and bring them to Ashdod. And they were not really armed. I mean, they did have arms, but they, what they were carrying were paintball guns because they believed that the people on the boats were peaceful protesters. That's what they kept claiming. These people kept claiming they're peaceful protesters. And all they want to do is come in peace and bring humanitarian aid to the people in Gaza. Well, unfortunately for them, when they came down onto the boats, they, they sort of, you know, like rappelled down from the helicopters. Very cool. They were attacked by mobs of the terrorists. One of the soldiers was stabbed. One of the terrorists grabbed a weapon from the soldier, a regular weapon, not one of the paintball guns, because they did have regular weapons, just they weren't at hand. Started shooting. One of the soldiers was thrown off the deck. All this, by the way, you can see in video. There's video of it all, which is what's great about it, because later on, when uh, Israel was being um, accused of terrible crimes, they just showed the video. Here it is. I remember uh, watching back then, even Chris Matthews, who's quite a leftist, said, hey, you can't say anything. There's a video. It's all here. These were not peace activists by any means. At the end of the day, once Israeli soldiers were being attacked, they were told to shoot and a total of nine of the terrorists were killed. 
Now, if Turkey was waiting for an excuse, this was it, because the Marvi Marmara was a Turkish ship, and some of the people aboard were Turk, Turkish citizens, and some of the killed were Turks. And so Turkey said, Israel is a bunch of murderers, they murdered our people, and we won't have any relationship with them until they apologize, and they take the blame, and they give restitution, and all these things. Of course, Israel wasn't about to do that. Of course, there was a big UN cry that there should be a UN committee to check into this, and da 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 It's that same UN cry that you hear, by the way, where every day thousands of Syrians are being killed, innocent Syrians. Um, and that's the same yelling that you actually don't hear from the world. But nine people were, nine thugs, nine terrorists were killed in self-defense that the world was yelling about. So they put together an international committee to investigate. And the committee concluded that Israel has an absolute right to continue the blockade and that Israel has an absolute right to board the boats. The third conclusion, which was a little, I don't know, questionable, Israel used excessive force and they should compensate the families of those who were killed. Now, today, Israel agreed as part of a larger uh, um, agreement between the two countries to give $21 million, not to the families, but to a fund. This is a Gemara kind of solution. They're going to give the money to a fund that was set up in order to help victims, blah, blah, blah. But they're not giving money directly to the families. And there is absolutely no admission of any guilt. Israel's not guilty of anything in Israel's eyes. And they're not, not By giving the money, they're not accepting any guilt whatsoever. Um, some people said, that's crazy. Why is Israel paying $21 million to compensate people who were a bunch of thugs, terrorists, who acted in violence? One of the answers I heard um, from Yaakov Hamidror, very well-known analyst in Israel, military analyst, he said, look, International Committee came up with three conclusions. Two of them are very good for us. And we should adopt them. The two that talk about the future, that Israel has a right to continue the blockade, Israel has a right to board boats, these are all future. It allows Israel to continue what it's doing. The excessive force used and the money, that's all in the past. That happened already. Get rid of it. Just pay. You're not, you're not, you're not saying you're guilty. You're not taking on the responsibility. Another thing that was um, coming from this is that uh, Turkey wanted to prosecute some of the soldiers and they wouldn't be able to travel anywhere in the world because um, they would be arrested and prosecuted for war crimes. All that's going away. All that's going away. So what's in this agreement, though? What's the main part of the agreement? I gave you the history. What brought the situation... And why did Israel need now to have an agreement in order to bring back the relationship that it had with Turkey? It's not to the same extent that it was before, not at all, much lesser extent, because Erdogan is still an Islamist and he still hates Jews and still hates Israel. But there's something in the background of all this that's happening that forced or brought together Turkey and Israel and it became in their best interest to cement this deal. We'll talk about that after the uh, after our next musical break. This is um, from the great Israeli star. You know, these are the young young group of uh, artists in Israel that are making names for themselves. One of them is Hanan Ben Ari. This is called Lama Lanu Lirdof. We got to cut the rat race. Don't keep running after the same old. Same old stuff. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We wanted to sing, 
אדם לעמל, הכסף לא בא, אדם לעולם, וימשיך לעבור, תעזור לשנייה, בצד, אצל השדה, בדם, הכסף את המדד, תשאל את המיוחד, למה? למה לנו לרדוף אחרי הזנב של עצמנו? למה לנו לרדוף? למה לנו רצינו לשיר רצינו לשמוח, לרצות כמו שילדים בגשם הראשון. אבל החיים הם מאוד של כוח, החיים הם מאוד של כוח, אנחנו רוצים רק לישון. Great song, Hanan Ben-Ari, Lama Lano Lerdof, new, out of Israel. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and we are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, which is an organization that devotes itself entirely to one thing. Well, if it's entirely, it has to be to one thing. <laughs> Aliyah. Make an Aliyah today. As um, Lenny... would sing helping Jews from the United States make Aliyah making that process easy as possible helping financially which is so important to so many families to give uh, needs based financial assistance but just in general making Aliyah easier simpler but also making it in It's not something, oh, oh, I'm making Aliyah. Oh, how stupid are you? You're making Aliyah. That's the way it used to be. People used to be like that. You're leaving America to go to Israel? That's what people used to say. Now it's, oh, good for you. You're making Aliyah. And part of that is the influence of Nefesh Benefesh. And by the way, in, uh, in Jewish communities outside of Israel, this coming Shabbat, we will read Parshat Shlach. And our relationship... between the land of Israel and the Jewish people, that relationship, it's a milestone. Parshat Shlach is, it's not a good milestone, but it's a milestone in that relationship when the Jews of the Midbar rejected going to the land of Israel. They wanted, they, they were afraid, they didn't believe in it. And Kalev and Yehoshua say, Alon Aleh, we shall for sure go up Aliyah, that's where Aliyah comes from. The word Aliyah. Alona Alevi Arashnu Ota, Ki Yachol Nuchala. We can do it. But uh, they did not win out. And it, it seems that when it comes to the land of Israel, the relationship between the Jewish people and the land of Israel, majority doesn't always rule. There were 10 of, um, uh, of the reconnaissance group 
that we call the spies. They're not called spies in, in this parsha. The word spy doesn't appear in this parsha at all, by the way. But the ten of this group that went on a tour of the land, they said, no, 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 we, it's, uh, we're not going to make it. It's good land, it's good, it's good stuff, but we, we can't. We can't do it. It's too much. They're too big. We're too small. And only two said we can, but the two were right. The majority were wrong. And sometimes I think about how in modern history, the minority, if you think about it, in Europe said, let's go to Israel. Let's make Aliyah. And it was very difficult. It was very, very difficult. The late 1800s and the early 1900s, the mid-1900s, obviously up until World War II. And yet, there were thousands who did it, hundreds of thousands even who did it. But the overwhelming majority stayed in Europe. And now the overwhelming majority of Jews in America stay in America. So it's interesting that on this issue, the question of majority rule doesn't, uh, <clears throat> it seems both in the past and in the present, doesn't, doesn't take hold. So this p- particular week, Parshat Shlach, is particularly appropriate to talk about Nefesh B'Nefesh, about Israel, about Aliyah. Go to their website, Nefesh B'Nefesh's website, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il, and check it out. Even if you don't plan on making Aliyah tomorrow, just check it out. You know, just let the uh, little kernel enter your soul and germinate from there. Um, By the way, I had mentioned that the word miraglim or miragel is not used in this parsha at all to um, when discussing the scouts that went out. A word that is used over and over is latur. They're sent out latur teres kanan tarnu That word repeats itself several times in the pasuk to take a tour. Yeah, so you know we could do that too. If we're not ready for Aliyah, we can go to Israel as tourists on a tour. And we can overcome the Miraglim's bad message by bringing a good message. Message of hope, a message of optimism. And there is so much to be hopeful and optimistic about. So, let's all do that, says the guy whose livelihood is made by that. (laughs) My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here is a um, a new cover of the song. It's called Shiro Shel Abba, I think, originally. It was written by Nomi Shemer, but everybody knows it as Imbahar Chatzavta Evan. And um, this is a remake of that song off of the album Nigun Yisraeli. Keep it here. We'll be back with the end of the Turkey story coming up after this. Thank you. 
of Nigun Yisraeli in Bahar Chatzavta Evan. Mayor Weingarten on the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. And so, we now reach the point that we started um, telling you the history of how the relationship between Israel and Turkey became so bad. And the question now is, how does it work out that today, Israel and Turkey announce an agreement? What's the agreement that they... Here, here are the key points of the agreement that were made that were announced earlier today. One, there will be normalization of the uh, diplomatic relations, which means there's going to be ambassadors and official visits and blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's not such a big deal. But the second part of this is that each country commits itself not to act against the other in international bodies, meaning... If the UN or any of these other international organizations tries to harm Israel by declaration, by other things, that Turkey will not cooperate, which is not so right now. The second point, Israel will pay, as we mentioned, $20 million to not to the families, but to a to a fund. Turkey will... Uh, negate, cancel any legal claim against any any soldiers of Israel and against Sahal. The third item. This is interesting because Turkey sees itself allied with Hamas and is therefore somehow in their eyes responsible for what's going on in Aza. So the Turks will be allowed to bring material humanitarian aid, whatever, into Gaza by boat, but it will go through Ashdod, meaning Israel will search it. Israel will make sure that there's nothing that will hurt its security in those things that are going. Now, there, obviously, there's always ways to avoid that. There's always ways to hide things. Hopefully, Israel will be smart enough to make sure that that doesn't happen. Also, as part of this, Turkey promises, and this is also one of those promises that nobody can ever make sure goes into effect. Nobody can really enforce this. Turkey promises that Hamas will not have any activities on its soil. So, yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, next point. Um, which is also nothing than, nothing more than a talking point on a piece of paper. Israel, uh, Turkey, will do its best I'm doing my best to um, use its connections with Hamas in order to end the very sad situation of Oren Shaul and Hadar Golden, the two Israeli soldiers who were killed in um, Operation Protective Edge and whose bodies are being held by the Hamas. So they're going to do their best to take care of that and also to help the return of two Israeli citizens, one an Ethiopian Israeli who just decided that he wanted to cross over the border for no apparent reason. Not even by mistake. He knew he was crossing the border. And the other is a Bedouin. Um, so Turkey is going to make every effort, I'm sure. You see them running now. I see the Turks running down the street right here. They're trying their best. Um by the way, that's one of the reasons that many people in Israel are against this agreement because they feel that it, it, it should have had as a real clause, a, a, an enforceable clause, something with teeth that um, would get Aron Shaul and uh, Hadar Golden's bodies back, back to Israel. And the last point, and you know it's always in the last point, they hide it. Because the last one is the key to the whole thing. Why did Turkey suddenly decide 
to be nicey-nicey and friendly-friendly and kutsi-matsi with Israel now. They hate Israel. Erdogan hates Israel. He's an, an Islamic radical. And the answer is, ladies and gentlemen, as Bill Clinton once said, it's the economy, stupid. You see how geopolitics of the world affects one another in this, in this global age. Turkey needs gas, and it was buying its gas from Russia. Russia decided to insert itself into the Middle East problem by coming into Syria. It did so because America decided to sit on the sidelines and not insert itself into anything. And Russia, Putin, seeing a gap, a vacuum, developed in the Middle East, said, hey, here's an opportunity for, for Russia to get back into the Middle East, something that the West has been trying its best to avoid for decades. Well, Obama just, you know, was busy with something else. He doesn't want to get involved. And so Russia comes in. When Russia comes into Syria, Syria borders with Turkey, and there were a lot of problems. And so Turkey and Russia were on the outs with each other, and the gas stopped flowing. Now, where's Turkey going to get its gas? It needs to be able to function. Well, lo and behold, who found gas not that long ago? Big, 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 big uh, gas deposits. Israel. And Turkey wants to buy the gas from Israel, and Israel will love to sell the gas to Turkey. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we have a deal. Ding, 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 ding. A buyer and a seller. Now, it's amazing that in the agreement, (laughs) in this agreement it says, Israel and Turkey will begin uh, negotiations about having a pipeline from the natural gas deposits in Israel to Turkey. They're going to actually want to build a pipeline, which is pretty amazing. And Turkey will express interest in buying natural gas from Israel. Is that great? Is that great? <laughs> this is the whole, the whole deal is for this. And it's all couched in this diplomatic, oh yeah, Turkey will express some interest in buying gas from Israel. Yeah. Okay, that's the Olam Hafuch and Olam Sheker, the world, the upside down lying world of falseness that we live in. That's the way it is. What can I say? Um, let's see. We're not going to have time to do the other topic at full. We'll have some music and then we'll just touch upon a couple of things that are going on in Israel and that we will hopefully get to talk about in the next few weeks. This is um, Bat El Birnbaum. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here is Hallelujah. <laughs> You know what? I think I just play. <laughs> I think I just played that one. Let's go to something else. How's that, boy? When you're when you're at a wedding late at night, it's it's very hard to wake up early in the morning and do a show. Although Nachum Siegel's been doing it for thirty-five years or so. I was at um, I was celebrating last night the wedding of uh, Benji and Sylvie. Benji Goldberg and S- Sylvie Sapadin. The Goldbergs from Highland Park are good friends. The Sapidins of uh, Englewood are actually good friends of uh, Nachum Siegel for many years, although I personally don't know them. Wonderful people. It was an awesome wedding. Awesome, awesome wedding. The Ruach was, uh, oh, to be young again. The the friends of the Chatan were just, I I don't even know how to describe it. The the enthusiasm, it, it electrified the room. Anyway. They sing this under the chuppah, not this particular version of it. Imesh Kachech Yerushalayim will go to that because uh, we don't want to play the same song again. <laughs> Silly. My name is Bear Wagert, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
nice. <clears throat> now I'm in Uri Koltov. Their last name is Koltov. I like that. Um, off of the album Lach Yerushalayim, which uh, came out a few weeks ago in honor of Yom Yerushalayim, remakes of um, Yerushalayim songs. And that's one of them. There's two Mishkacheks on that album. The other one is also very pretty. Um, so, what is coming up? What is this, what's, what's going on in Israel? What, what are the uh, stories that are keeping people in Israel busy. One is the story of the Yemenite children and the mystery of the disappearance of some of them. And I was hoping to talk about it at length today, but we don't have time, so I'll just give you a teaser and we will do it in one of the coming weeks. We have a lot of material about it. And the second is the 40th anniversary of Entebbe, which which is also has a lot of attention in Israel and for obvious reasons. So back to the Yemenite children's story. In the 1950s, in the early 1950s, the state of Israel uh, uh, airlifted basically all of northern African Jewry and then near eastern Jewry to Israel. The Sephardim, the Eidot HaMizrach. So you're talking about Jews from Morocco and Libya, Tunisia, they brought them all to Israel. And the Jews from Yemen, Iraq, and Iran, a lot stayed in Iran because they, they still had a lot of uh, open, open uh, freedoms. But Jews from Iraq, Jews from Lebanon, Syria, and so forth. The story of the Yemenite Jews is very, very interesting. This was a very... Um, religious and tightly closed community that lived mainly in one or two cities in, in Yemen, one of them being Tsana. It's a community with a tremendously rich, rich heritage. And when the uh, Jewish agency people came, they started to explain to the people there that they're gonna they're going to Eretz Israel. I mean, to them this was this was messianic, the messianic promise. We're going to Eretz Israel. 
and they believed it with all their heart. And remember that this was a community that was, I mean, third world country. It was like a 10th world country, not not a third world country. This is a community that had not, in many cases, I've spoken to a few people who lived there, many of the people never saw a car, let alone an airplane. They were really living in tremendous poverty and um, and no in a non-technological or modern world. And then they're all brought to a large field in groups, obviously. And suddenly they hear this noise that they've never heard anything like it. And they look up in the sky and there are these birds coming to take them to Israel. I mean, that's, that is it. Vaisa etchem al kanfei nisharim vavi etchem elai. It was called Operation Magic Carpet, but it should have been called Operation Kanfei Nisharim. Literally, to them, this was it. They never, you know, the Rambam always says, you don't know how it's going to happen until it happens, but then you'll understand what it meant, right? So, we didn't understand what it meant that we'll be born on the wings of an eagle until we got into the wings of an eagle and they have little video screens next to each seat. And so they were boarded on these planes and brought to Israel. The person who was on one of those flights said, it was silence. It was total silence. They were so stunned. They literally were, were, sho- were in a state of shock. And they were very meek and quiet people, the Yemenites. They, they, they don't scream. They don't believe in, like, oh, we're going to use force to get what we need. And so the ruling class in Israel at the time, which was the labor government, the Ben-Gurions, they uh, looked down at the Yemenites. They saw them as a bunch of primitives who had to be um, cultured in the Ashkenazic, Eastern European or Western European ways and so forth. And that's where things sort of go bad in the story and we'll get to this story in the coming weeks because now and over time but now it, it, it comes up again parents tell stories to their children and their children to their children now the third generation that's not as meek and as quiet come up and say children were taken away from our families when they got here maybe they were given up for adoption maybe they were sold to other families for adoption, and we never saw them again. And we were just told that they were dead, and more and more of these stories are coming out. And the conspiracy theorists have believed this all along, but maybe it is true. We'll discuss that. And the Entebbe. The story of Entebbe is well known to many, but if you think about it, I guess it's 40 years. If you're not 50 years old, you don't remember much about it. So even if you do or if you don't remember much about it, we're gonna bring you um, hopefully some new inform- hopefully some new information from different uh, files that are now being opened up and interviews, lots of interviews with people who were there. Um, reading those, they're being published now, and uh, some of them are very cool. The whole thing was is a miraculous moment in in Israeli history. Alavai, Alavai, we should be able in our spirit to go back to those days where we we didn't take no for an answer we're going to wrap up with a brand new song this is a song by Aaron Razel it's called Samba Beharei Yehuda sort of a takeoff of Odi Shama Beharei Yehuda because of the wedding season writes Aaron Razel and uh, he figured that hey nobody's written a Samba wedding song so he's going to do it. And uh, we're going to get to that brand new debut song. Came out yesterday right after we say thank you for listening. Thank you so much for your Facebook likes, your comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And thanks, my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Encore Presentations of Eternal Flame by Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by Headlines with David Lichtenstein. And then the great 
Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the AM, this is Mayor Wangarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.